with us. Get your Bible open, if you would, please, to the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. We start a study this month in the book of Nehemiah. Repeat the topic with me, please. Say, painfully, painfully. passionate. Yes. I believe that the word passion has taken on a brand new meaning for me because I did not know its origin. I didn't realize that it's from a Latin word that means suffer. Pate is pronounced pate. And it's spelled P-A-T-I. But the word, uh, when connected with what we think of as passion, paints a picture in my mind. You ever seen a guy playing a, passionately playing a guitar, and he's squinting his eyes, it's like he's in pain. Or a piano player who's playing, and they, they feel something, or a singer who sings from the depths of their soul. And sometimes what moves you is the passion of the playing, the passion of the song. There's, some, there's nothing like passion. There's nothing like a person who's, who's, who's totally and consumed with, with something that they believe in. In our annual question for the year, which is why don't people do what they say they're going to do, last month I talked about willful blindness, that some people never do what they're supposed to do or say they're going to do because they're willfully blind. They choose to ignore what they see. This month, I'm going to talk to you about the fact that some people never do what they say they're going to do because they're not painfully passionate. What are you passionate about? What are you, what are you, what are you driven by? The word passion is, means a strong and barely controllable emotion. Barely controllable. My personal definition, I add a little spice to it, is an action-driven enthusiasm that has its roots in pain, it's driven, it's strong, it's almost unstoppable desires that you have. What do you have a passion for? I mean, a passion. I've discovered why God called me to be a pastor. Took me a long time to figure it out. Never asked to be, never wanted to be, never thought it was my fit. I've discovered I have a passion for people. I like you folks. Come on, tell me you like me back. A little bit of love coming this way. I appreciate it, okay? <laughs> but if you are around a person who likes people, you can feel it. The way they maneuver through difficulties. Passion is, um, uh, ooh, I almost said that. But I didn't say sex. Did I say that? No. That's not passion. That could be a lot of things, lust, selfishness. Did he say that in church? I sure said it, yeah. Because some of you think that's passion. That's not passion. That's not the same. It's not passion. Man, when I look at the Bible, I am passionate about the word. I'm passionate. I mean, I'm passionate about understanding it and communicating it clearly and briefly. 
I'm compassionate about not going long because I know that I want you to go to sleep. And I, I mean that. I, I want every encounter to be clear to the point. I enjoy, I enjoy the different ways I get to share in public, on the television, media, because I realize that if I can say it and get in and out, you might hear me. And I'm passionate about you hearing me, hearing what I have to say, hearing what I believe God wants me to communicate to you. So in this sermon, we're going to look at Nehemiah, and there are three things we specifically are going to notice. Passion is something that can be seen and felt. Say that with me, please. Come on. Passion is something that can be seen and felt. When you look at Nehemiah chapter 1, you see it. You can feel it when the dude starts crying. He hears about the state of Israel and the condition of the people who went into exile, and when he hears it, the guy starts weeping. You can see it, and you can feel it. Can, can I, I want to say something. I'm really getting off a little bit here. Do you know when you preach, you got to be careful about that this is not about me? That I'm passionately trying to impress you with me and not the truth of the word? Passion, healthy passion, balanced passion has a good focus. And in Nehemiah, you see it. The guy is not thinking about himself. The guy has a good job. He's got it made in the shade. He's a cupbearer for the king. All he has to do is taste the wine before the king drinks it, make sure it don't kill him. And hey, there you go, king, go for it. <laughs> Living in the palace, got bad clothes, rolling good, family. Hey, job security. What, is, what, do I, what do I care about you? See, notice this is a guy you can see and feel when he hears this bad news in chapter 1, how passionate he is. Secondly, passion is something that can be explained. You're going to see the king ask him, what are you sad about, Nehemiah? And Nehemiah can articulate it. He can tell you why he's, why, why he's sad. He, he understands his passion is explainable. And thirdly, passion drives you to take action. You don't just see it. Look, it's very easy for me. Here's what I could do. Here's what I could do. I could just get on a plane, fly places and preach, let people give me paycheck checks, and I can preach my favorite sermons and make a bunch of money and be happy with my life and come here and talk to you when I want to on the weekends and say, okay, God's good, and that's it. But that ain't no good. What is that? What is that? It's got to be more than that. What, 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 Pastor Rick, you talk about all that money you spend in touching these people, the thousands of dollars you just mentioned that you give away, you can just keep that money for us. What is that? What kind of life is that? Ain't nothing like driving up to them schools with them pallets and things they need. It's nothing like going out there seeing you gave 2,000 bottles of water. Ha, 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 yes, you did. How much money, where they gave away? 2,000? Was it 2,000? How much you gave, Dan? How many bottles of water they gave away? 2,000 bottles of water. 600 Gatorades, I spent your money to Savannah High School. Yes, I did. Ha, ha, take that. <laughs> Those kids were drinking and slurping and happy. Come on, shout amen. Come on, amen. It's good stuff. I can't, we can't just sit around and just look at ourselves and dance in church. Passion. Come on, say passion. passion. You don't sound passionate. Say passion. passion. When you got passion, you care. passionately raise resources. I'm on the United Way board, and I watch them passionately raise that money. Yes, they do. They're passionate about it. Now, let me tell you. Oh, boy, they're passionate. 
I ain't never had anybody ask me for $10,000 in my life. Well, no, I did. I had, a, I had a, no, I did. I can take that back. I had somebody ask me for $144,000. I thought they were asking me for a Bible verse. <laughs> I did. They asked me. For, <laughs> I said, oh, that's in Revelation chapter 7, $144,000. They said, no, Rick, I'm asking you. Oh, you asking me? Oh, no. But I, but I, but I, I watch how passionately, nobody's perfect, but I watch organizations, I watch folks who are passionate. I'm around them. A lot of wealthy people in this town are passionate about helping you. I'm telling you, I can name some names. I didn't know them before now, but I know them now. They put, you, they put us to shame. They pay, what? They write a check for 1000 10000 20000 don't feel nothing. Because they are passionate. Honey Blackman gave me a wonderful honor, our church. Thank you, guys. Community Service Award. God bless you for what we do as a church to honor them. We give several thousand dollars a year. I want to see that increase, too. I thank God we're helping boys and men. Come on, amen. I'm, I'm, I'm proud of that. Now, say it with me again. Say passion. passion. You can't do nothing if you're not passionate. Passionate, determined. And Nehemiah was that. Let me show you. Nehemiah chapter 1, verse 1. The words of Nehemiah of Hekeliah in the month of Kislev, that's November to December. You got the sermon notes, you see all this, by the way. In the 20th year while I was in Citadel of Susa, Hananiah, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province and are in great trouble and disgrace. Provinces are in great trouble and disgrace. You ever been there? Look in your life in the mirror and you're sad, ain't got nothing. Things are all tore up, messed up. That's where they were. The wall of Judah is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. House of mess. When I heard these things, I sat down. Had to sit down. Couldn't stand up anymore. I plopped down, I sat down, and I cried. I wept. For some days I mourned. It wasn't just one minute. And I fasted. I stopped eating. And I prayed. What disturbs you like that? What moves you? What drives you? A nice house doesn't drive me. I got that. Nice car doesn't drive me. I got that. I make good money. That ain't the issue. I am not. None of that drives me. What drives me is people. The stuff I have should motivate me to help people. We're forgetting about people. Not politics. People. People with no insurance, people with no resources, people who can't afford medicines, people who lined up, broke my heart, oh God, it broke my heart, lined up. We offered uniforms for the first time several years ago for parents. 300 people showed up. I was stunned. I was absolutely floored. And I walked out there and we ran out. And I remember they said, right, right here is where we run out, at the line, right here. There's a lady standing there. 
just for context. She wasn't black, she was white, just for context. She said, well, Pastor, I'm going to stay anyway. Maybe there might be something left. I vowed to God that will never happen again. We got thousands of uniforms. We ain't even going to run out of nothing. Come on, y'all, say amen. We ain't going to run out of nothing. No, we're not. And they come every year. One of our biggest gatherings, a couple of thousand folks come out here every year, and they wait in line. So we got rides for them. Yeah, I'm spending your money. I told you I'm spending your money. They got, some of them say that's the only Disney World they got. Come on, say passion. Nobody care about you being saved. I'm saved. Who cares? You ain't going to hell. Who cares? You speak in tongues. Who cares? You can dance. Who cares? You got good worship songs. Who cares? Let me just help you. Jesus didn't have none of this stuff. We just so fancy. He had no screen. He had no organ. He didn't have to play no musicians. He didn't have to do none of that. They didn't say, and now we're going to have Jesus come up and share the word at the Beatitudes. God bless y'all. Glad to be here. You know the Lord. He didn't do that. He stood up there and didn't have on no suit, no tie. His toes was out. He was standing there in the sun. If they got wet, they got dried in the sun. It wasn't fancy. It was passion. We've lost our passion. You all mad with me because I ain't got you in here every week. Let me help you right now. Jesus didn't have a building. Jesus didn't have lights. Jesus didn't have any cameras. Jesus didn't have any online. He just had passion, and that's what turned the world upside down. And if you want to turn the world upside down, don't be so fancy. Be passionate. Come on, church. Talk to me. I'm telling you the truth. Don't be a dead church. What does that mean? Does that mean you run around the building? Fall down? That don't mean anything. Falling down. Screaming, yelling, all oh, that's nice if you want to do it. I'm not putting you down. But that don't change the world. When you lock, walk out those doors and you make a difference beyond these walls, that's what makes a difference. Can you say the word passion? passion. What's interesting is there are two things that stand out to me in this text. Notice what he said in verse 3. They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. Notice, his passion is seen in his research questions. He's researching. His passion is seen in the way he records the details because he writes the book, see? I want to keep up with what's happening. I want to know what the details are because what, it, it, this is really important because there's seven things that stand out to me. And, and you get, if you have the notes, you'll see these seven things that stand out to me about his passion. He was passionate about other people, not him. You know what I like to ask people if they're really givers? I said, what's the largest amount you've ever given to someone outside of your kids and family? Not you. I'm talking about if you give about your kids and family. What's the largest amount of time you've invested beyond your kids and family? The others. He was concerned about other people. He couldn't even name them. Secondly, he was concerned about the nation of Israel, the whole nation of Israel, the country. He was concerned. His passion was focused on his spiritual life. If you look at chapter 4, 1 verse 4 through 11, I'll read in a minute. He was passionate about Praying, he prayed, he talked to God. 
He went to God. Matter of fact, let me just, let me just read this for you. He, he said, verse, verse, um, verse 5, Then I said, Lord, my, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open. Listen to the passion. To hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants. We Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. Listen to the spiritual journey. We have acted very wickedly toward you. We have not obeyed the commands and decrees and laws you gave us. Notice his passion. Remember the instruction, verse 8, you, your servant Moses, you gave your servant Moses, if you're unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then, ever, then even if you're exiled people are in the, in the furthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. Notice the passion. Lord, let your ear be attentive, verse 11, to the prayer of this servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in, rever in revering or, rever or reverencing you. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man, the king. He was praying, God, let the king give me the ability to go and fix this. Notice he's passionate about others. He's passionate about the nation. He's, he's passionate about his spiritual life. He's passionate. I like that about him. But what's also interesting, and I'm not going to read this for you because I don't have time to read it. He's not just passionate about other people. He's passionate about the practical side of life. You read this on your own, okay? Nehemiah chapter 2, verse 7. He tells the king, the king finally looks at him one day and says, man, why are you so sad? You've never been sad before. And he tells the king the story about his nation. The king says, what do you want to do about it? And what he reveals is how wise he was. Now, some of you can complain, but you ain't got no solutions. Excuse my ain't. You, you like to give speeches about problems, but you don't have a problem for teenagers because you're, you know, you're not touching one teenager. Thou shalt not talk about what thou dost not help fix. I challenge pastors. I challenge them. I said, when's the last time you met with your teenagers? When last time you talked to your kids? When last time? See, everybody, if we're not careful, we like to talk about stuff and do nothing about it. So watch what he says. All right? Watch this. He says in chapter 2, verse 7, King, I want to go, but I need, some, I need some soldiers. I need some people with guns, weapons, because <laughs> people are crazy. Then he said, King, verse chapter 2, verse 8, he said, I need, while, while, while we're going, I need you to give me some, some wood, you know, to build, build the walls back. I can't go and just want to stand in front of the walls. I need the materials. And by the way, I love chapter 2, verse 8, because what he says, I'm going to need something to build me a house too because I'm taking my family and we got to have a place to stay. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. See, notice how practical he is. Then in, in chapter 2, verse 7 through 9, he says, I need you to give me a letter saying that I have authority to do this. I can't go without authority. Then he says this, in chapter 2, verse 5 through 6, the king says, when are you going to come back? He says, I'm willing to be accountable. He gave him a time. Notice how balanced his passion was. He wasn't a runaway train. He wasn't a guy that didn't want to know the numbers and the finances and the man. He was smarter. He was, he was balanced. In the end, it revealed a lot about him. 
It showed you what broke his heart. It showed you his commitment to love and obedience. It showed you his willingness to confess, confess his wrong and the people's wrong. Remember in the prayer, he said, Lord, forgive us. My father wasn't right. And then his awareness of judgment. We're here because of our sin. But I love the fact that in the end, he advocates, Lord, verse 11, let your ears be attentive to the prayer of your servants. Everybody say passion. Listen to this guy. And in our journey together, we're going to see how this passion translates into action. Next time I teach after Mother's Day, I'm going to talk to you about how to, how to describe your passion. Let's stand. Yeah, I'm done. Hands lifted. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for everyone in this building and those who are here online. May this be a moment of grace. Grab your communion, if you would, please. Put it in your hand, everyone. We come acknowledging that Jesus died on the cross because of his passion for us. You peel back the top layer, if you would, please. And peel back the second layer, if you would. Grab your juice at home if you're watching from home. And your bread, cracker, whatever you have. I want you to hold this in your hand, please. This is a symbol of his body. Jesus says, often as you partake of this, you model your passion for what he did for you. You don't have to be perfect to take it, dishonest. You don't have to have a perfect life. In this moment, be honest. I don't care what you've done. Father, we partake believing that this makes a difference. And so, God, we ask your hand to be upon us. Thank you for your life and your sacrifice. In Jesus' name, partake. We believe, Lord God, that you sacrificed for us. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here today and you say, I've taken communion, I've prayed with you, Pastor Rick, but I realize I need Jesus in my life. And I want you to pray one final prayer before we leave. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Pastor, pray for my walk with God. I need, I need you to pray for me. I see a hand. Anybody else saying pray for me? Anybody else? Pray for me, Pastor, my walk with God. If you're home, you're watching online, right there online, I want you to check, click on that button. It says click right here or type in the chat. I raised my hand. And what that means is I'm saying, Jesus, I need you in my life, both in the building and online. Here's the prayer for you. You ready? Father, we come surrendering our lives to you, believing you make the difference. We ask you to be the Lord of our life from this day forward. We give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. And everybody say amen.